Hi, I'm Craig Lance. I'm Will Davison. I'm Mark Winterbottom. I'm Greg Murphy. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Lounges back on top of Wyndon. Well, today just feels like, you know, payday. While Dunlop are happy with the new tyre. Um, it's really up to you guys whether you think it's a, uh, it's a good thing. It definitely threw a mix into the whole paddock, like the whole racing. And Roland defends AAA technology. All the other people out there making a noise about nothing. What they're trying to do is divert the attention away from their losers. We review Wyndon today as the lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insider. Take in the V8 of the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Craig Relounds has won race 5 and 6 of the V8 Supercar Championship with Triple H showing that they're the premier strategists on pit road. With Lowndes doing it easy on Holden and FPR's test track. Uh, well, as I said yesterday, we, I, we sat here and uh, we had no plans of using the soft tyre again, so we had, had a, a good think about it last night and sat down this morning and, um, and, and really went through whether we could get sort of 15 to 20 laps more out of the tyre and when we, when we looked at what we did and achieved on it yesterday we only really pushed the car 6-7 laps pretty hard and then we f- sort of fell back into the 25s and we thought if we could do the 25 bracket times it would still be around the same time as the, the standard tyre so um, we've learned a lot we've reused the tyre for the second time and it, and it stood up really well so for us it was uh, good information Good knowledge, but uh, you know every track we go to, it's going to have different uh, characteristics of, of obviously uh, wear rate um, and speed. So we'll just have to take that on board as as we go to different tracks. But yeah, look, we've definitely got we're a lot more knowledgeable now than what we were at the start of the weekend. But I'm sure we'll still learn as we go along. While Frosty was quick in qualifying, but it was second place on Sunday that made him smile. Yeah, it's tough because um, we've been on the front row at every round, so we've had car speed and. Normally that should should translate into a, a podium or at least, you know, if you average it out, if you lose three positions around, we should still have been fourth and seconds and thirds and, you know, we should still be around the money. But when you, you have little incidents, it, it, um, you know, 150 points here goes to 300, blows out to 450, it, and it's on guys that don't make mistakes, so it, it does get harder and harder. But, um, you know, I wasn't as depressed as what Lowndes was to see Wink up um, Q in pit lane, I can tell you. So... Uh, it's nice that um, you can get some points back on him, but going to the next round, he'll uh, be likely to bag another 200-plus points, and if you're not dominating every round, it's going to be very hard to pull that back. So just um, we've got a test day in a week, so hopefully we put some new bits on the car and turn our qualifying pace into, into um, strong race pace, which it was today anyway, but, um, and hopefully that gets us the points back. Garth Tander finished third on Sunday following a war of words between the lead HRT driver and his fellow competitors. We survived for third, so um, you know, good points for, for myself. Uh, Will wasn't far behind, so good points for him, good points for the team. Not the result that we wanted this weekend, but um, you know, we proved that we'll keep fighting. 
Jack Perkins was extremely outspoken on his treatment in race two when he transferred to the Sportsmax Sprint tyres and didn't find much love from his opposition. Yeah, I guess uh, in a way it's good to still have a top 20 finish, just keep the finishes ticking along, but it's a bit disappointing. You know, the Dodo car had pretty good speed with the soft tyres. We just struggled enormously with the hard tyres. I think that's probably what cost us a better result today was just our hard tyre pace. Um, you know, we got out of sync with the leaders uh, in a way and we're still racing everyone up a position and they seem pretty hell-bent on just rubbing doors and having us off the track for, for what would appear to be no real reason. And it was a bit of a shame because I'm sure some stage this year the roles will reverse and uh, I'll be on a mission when I'm uh, faster and slower that's for sure. David Reynolds who also saved his yellow tyres till late in the weekend said his strategy was handed down from the top of Walkinshaw performance. Did um, Tom Walkinshaw actually set our strategy for the for the weekend he said Paul's going to go start on him and I was going to finish on him so you know we were hoping for the for the safety car at lap 40 so I'd come in bolt the freshies on the soft tyres and I reckon if that was the case I was the only one well there was sort of me and Marcus Marshall so I reckon we would have finished first and second because we were just so much quicker than anyone else you know three or four seconds a lap quicker and we were just mowing past people it was good fun it was makes it makes it good for me <laughs> so following the Winton event the top 10 now looks like Jamie Wincup on 804 points his former roommate Will Davison on 690, Stephen Johnson dropping down the order slightly, but still on 573 points. Lee Holsworth drops two positions, 534. Rick Kelly rounds out the five on 531. Then it's Garth Tander on 504. Craig Lowndes has got a Levi number, 501. Shane Van Gisbergen, his 453 points. Jason Richards into the top 10 on 417. And Fabian Coulthard, one of the biggest fallers after a disappointing weekend in the Wilson Security Racing Car, 414 points. One of the major controversies that bubbled away all weekend was the talk of an illegal mounting of the front splitter on the 888 cars. Campbell Little, the V8 technical director and former Triple Eight engineer chief, told Big Pond Sport that he thought the mount was fine. It's been on cars that have been inspected by V8 supercars many times in the past. Uh, a team asked us to look at it. Okay. Yeah. So they asked us to look at it and make a determination, and um, we did. And then they. Uh, we thought it needed further investigating um, because there's different points of view about it and then asked the team to alter it for today, AAA, which they did do, and there will be further investigation. Into it. Roland Dane was outraged by claims that Team Vodafone was breaking the rules. Here's what he told Big Pond Sports, Briar Gunther. Last night, V8 Supercar said they'd had a complaint from another team, right, which is Tasman, Okay? okay, let's get it right, from Tasman, to say that they were concerned about the mounting system for our front splitter. So, V8 supercars have scrutinized it for four years. As far as they're concerned, there's nothing wrong with it. Okay? But they said, in order not to cause controversy in the paddock tonight, would I consider running it with a, with a solid whatnot, with no... Because uh, it's designed so if you smash against the curb at Turn 1 in Adelaide, it, it, it doesn't break the splitter. And I said, yeah, we'll run it solid today if you want, and then you tell us next week what you want us to do in future. That's it. Okay. There's no protest, there's no investigation, 
Yeah, that's the extent of it. There's a lot of other people up and down here who are wondering why they're not going fast enough, and instead of looking at themselves, they're trying to look at everyone else. So there's no in stewards inquiry, there's no protest, there's no whatnot. It's all. Comp- it's it's uh, a matter of V8 supercars now, purely just <coughs> making an interpretation, right, ruling of whether what we've been using for four years we can still we can still use or not. I'm happy with that. But I mean, nobody's hidden it. I've sold it to everyone. Fujitsu series has got it, right? So all these people who are making a whatnot about it and silly little girls from FBR running around trying to stir it up. Sorry, it's uh, uh, it's nonsense. They need to look at themselves. So with Triple Eight running the yellows in both races, running the yellows for the entire length of the sprint race, what did Kevin Fitzsimmons from Dunlop think of the new Sportsmax Sprint debut? Yeah, very happy actually. The um, in general, we sort of knew what we sort of from the testing what we were going to expect and everything. But you sometimes do do the test and everything in, in the. Um, in the heat of, of December and when everyone's sort of cool, calm and collected, when you get to a racetrack, it's all very different. But uh, we're pretty lucky with the weather in a, in a way that it sort of uh, panned out to be um, pretty consistent all weekend sort of thing. But the tyre the itself did exactly what it was designed to do. Um, it met the criteria that they asked it to, or Tiger asked it to meet with um, the drop-off the way it was and the... Um, uh, the, the the speed initially, then sort of similar sort of times, and then drop away and everything. So a couple of teams rolled the dice and backed them up again today, and, and did strung some laps together with some pretty good times and everything. So it's very encouraging. Um, and the only thing we've really got to work pretty hard on is getting the yellow stripe a bit better. Um, enamel paint doesn't work all that particularly well, which we knew. Uh, we were trying a few different things, and um, out of the half a dozen different things, nothing worked. You know, so we're actually going to try something different here on Tuesday. We're um, Kelly Racing. We've got a ride day, and we're going to. Uh, put some fluoro strips on the spokes of the wheels and just uh, give that a try and see if that is a possibility that that may work. Turning our attention now to the Fujitsu series and Damien Asante won the first race in his Fujitsu Falcon. But on the inversion, it was David Russell who picked up the win, setting up an exciting race three shootout with Grant Denyer jumping the field off the start and becoming the third winner on the weekend. Consistency saw Jonathan Webb take out the round. You know, trying to get around Winton, it's generally a pretty tough track for me. I, I come here and I struggle to get the speed, but obviously probably a bit slower in qualifying than we thought, but boys you know, worked really hard on the car to turn it around all weekend, you know, qualifying, just sticking on the pole, and probably race one and race two didn't really want go the way we wanted it to, and much the same with race three. We, we went out on that warm-up lap, and unfortunately it looks like the headers are broken or something wrong with the exhaust there. All of a sudden, we're down 50 or 80 horsepower. So from the get-go, it was always going to be difficult. But yeah, you know, the car speed was really, really good, other than that top-end grunt. So you know, the boys have done a great job to get us there. Russell was happy to get back on the podium in second position. It was um, yeah, it's a difficult race in the first race, but um, you know, we made some changes and, and sort of had to dig ourselves back out and, and pick ourselves up, get back on the horse, and get going. And yeah, to get that win in, in race two was fantastic. Um, great for the team, great for our, our sponsor, Sharon Rentals, and just. You know, a great result, and uh, to have a front row start, and you know, um, you know, second place for the round from what would have been looking like, a, you know, a outside the top five weekend was was quite good and fantastic for our championship. And Grant Denyer finished third, following collecting his third place trophy. He was chopped off to the Logies. 
but the V8 Insiders had a chance to speak to Denya beforehand and asked him about this comeback. Having gone through the worst period of my life, I wanted to come back and just get back in the car, just so you can put it all behind you and know that you've moved on, just because I can. Because, you know, the doctors were telling me for a long time there that, you know, I, I, I don't know how bad it's going to be. You know, I don't know whether you're going to drive again or not. I don't know whether you're going to walk again or not. So to come out and do this in itself is a pretty pretty cool achievement. After two rounds of the Fujitsu Series, David Russell is the points leader on 536. Jonathan Webb sits in second place on 510. Shane Price back there in third place on 421. And Grant Denyer is up into the top four on 410 points. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. After the break, Briar Gunther and Tony Whitlock will join us. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly from Jack Daniels Racing and you're listening to the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. This week joining us from Big Pond Sport, Briar Gunther. Briar, good evening. Hi, Craig. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing very well, and it's a warm welcome for the first time to the V8 Insiders from Race Facts, Tony Whitlock. Uh, good evening, Tony. And good evening to you both. It is uh, rounds five and six of the championship in the book at Winton Motor Raceway. The weather, Tony, was more akin to a summer's day in the rural Victoria than the, the uh, start of winter. And we saw some very entertaining racing, although I thought Saturday was the pinnacle of the weekend. Um, first thing is probably I should correct you. They weren't round five and six. They were races five and six. We don't have rounds anymore. We do in the Fujitsu series, but not in the main game. They're races, and which is a great move. The only thing that needs to happen next is that we get rid of a 100k races and we replace them with a 200k race. In fact, they should be that the drivers don't get out of bed for anything less than 200k's. Make them important races. Make them of note, not just this 100-kilometre sprints, you know. But it was. Saturday was a terrific race. And um, again demonstrated Roland Dane and his boys at Triple Eight, and they are young men, their great ability to actually conjure up two race-winning strategies. Not one, but two. And, Briar, that's exactly it. They had both cars working completely opposite ends of the strategy, uh, of the stratosphere, if you like, and they both came up trumps in a, after 100 k's of racing. Yeah, that's right. They took totally two different um, strategies. They spent about two hours on the Friday night um, working on their strategies and, and what they wanted to do. And um, in the end, they, they both took um, opposite directions and, and both finished on top. Do we think that uh, what we learnt was these Dunlop tyres that Fitzy has uh, got us are perhaps a bit too good when they can run the whole 33 laps of the 100k race on them, bruh? Um, no, I, I don't think they are too good um, because, I mean, maybe more so for the 100k race where it is only that, that shorter distance. Um, I mean, I guess the tyres did last maybe a little bit too long, but you could see them dropping off at the end anyway. I mean, the the times were clearly quick um, once they were fitted or, or brand new, but 
but once they had a bit of wear, you, you could see the times drastically fall off. So um, probably the 200k race proved that more so when you had um, those like Stephen Johnson and others who elected to stay out there for um, a lot longer than what those tyres were really um, should be used for. So I, I don't think that they're too good. All right, Tony. I think uh, Stephen Richards getting up onto the podium, making it a three-forward podium on the uh, Saturday race was quite interesting. And, and what it did show up was that FPR strategy right. Yes, indeed. And finally were able to uh, keep their uh, race pace over entire race distance. Um, too often we see that mistakes made in... Uh, on uh, strategy calls and things like that and cars lining up in pit lane. and But, um, yeah, it was through. See, I mean, extraordinary the, uh, that each of the drivers in FPR had a, a dud day, shall we say, um, and, a, and a good day. Gareth Tander on Saturday had forgotten how to drive was some of the comments and uh, he labelled his opposition idiots. Great to see a bit of character and a bit of showmanship coming out of sometimes what are all too robotic people that pilot these vehicles. Well, in fact, it was interesting because the very thing that it would appear that Garth complained about other drivers doing um, was was the thing that he caused on Saturday in that, that they uh, mistaked the um, who had soft tyres and who had who didn't. The the braking distances are so dramatically different between the two tyres that you really did have to. Each driver had to know who was on what, um, which made the engineers, I'm sure, get a lot more uh, tired in the jaw department at the end of a race than ever before. You know, I mean, uh, Jamie Winkler, I'm talking about how. His engineer advised him on every car to the point where he just couldn't understand who was on what. Mm, it was quite confusing. And perhaps made more so, Briar, on Sunday when we saw the cars backing up for a completely new race and more strategies. And I have to say, I found the 200k race a little bit flat after the helter-skelter that uh, was involved in the 100km race. And I left Winton on Sunday night just feeling a bit flat, saying, I don't know that I really enjoyed Sunday's racing as, as much as I should have. And perhaps it was the timing monitors going down and you couldn't get into the detail of the race, or perhaps there was something else. But what about you? Um, look, I, I agree with you to an extent, Craig. I think that the, uh, the 200k race wasn't as exciting as um, the 100k race. But you look at last year's races, um, and even though they were sprint races, um, I think that the 200k race was a, a lot more exciting than a lot of really recent races we've had and last year's races at Winton. So, um, I, you know, it wasn't as exciting, but, you know, you had a few dramas there, like you had your, um, the issue at the end of pit lane with Triple Eight and FPR, and, um, and then, of course, you had Jack coming out um, out of the pits and, and, um, and Lounsey dropping a few spots as a result of the, the little battle that was going on there. So, um, look, it was generally pretty exciting. There was a, a bit when, you know, you're sort of like, oh, well, now we're doing the procession again. But, um, look, all up, you know, I, I thought it worked really well. What was your thoughts on the 200k race? Well, I, I actually like it. I mean, I find it vastly superior. I mean, I, I was never a fan of the three 20-minute races, and sprint races aren't what sort of the thing should be about, even though the fans may like the crash and burn of the sprint races. I think longer races are far better. The cars are damn near indestructible, and I think they should make use of it. I mean, it's what makes the Formula One far more interesting now, because 
you know, the cars don't break down the way they used to back in the 60s and 70s. You know, the, the longevity is the thing they've got built into them. Mm. Um, the great thing was, and, and, you know, I watch from a privileged place in pit lane, um, and so therefore I don't watch the monitors as much. So I'm actually looking at real cars on, on the track and, and so therefore see what really happens there. And okay, you've got to be alert and, and be aware of uh, who's moving where. I found the, the, the uh, situation of um, Jamie having to line up behind um, Craig and, and blocking sort of Winterbottom's entrance and all those sort of things. I mean, that was the made it far more interesting. I mean, he was, uh, his pit stop in the second race was 59 seconds. Um, that included sitting for, sitting there for 30 seconds while Craig, you know, overshot his mark and then Mark and trying to get out and the whole thing. It was, oh, I thought it was fantastic. I don't know if it was seen on television or not, um, but I'm not watching TV. I'm watching uh, live cars, so uh, I thought it was fantastic. Well, that was interesting too, the uh, whole pit stop debacle where Craig overshot his fuel rig and had to be pushed back and, and uh, Frosty getting caught in there, as you described. And uh, what was good to see is the officials use some common sense when uh, Frosty came out of the pits. He did uh, hit a tyre out of the uh, Team Vodafone's uh, pit bay, but they right. didn't say, you know, we're going to drive you through. They realised that he'd just been sitting there for, oh, you'd probably have the time, five to uh, eight seconds he was sitting there waiting before he could pull out. And, yeah. um, and there was a, a lot of respect there too because uh, Jamie Winkup, had every right to pull across the front of Mark Winterbottom's car to actually stack up behind, and being the car coming in, he had right of way, well, and uh, he could have really destroyed Mark Winterbottom's day, and I thought that was a great sign of respect by uh, everyone in and around that incident. Well, the great thing was also um, afterwards, the team managers from uh, um, FPR and Triple Eight, you know, they, they acted cordially, they didn't scream and yell and swear at each other, they acted you know, responsibly like professionals should, and they did. Mm. Um, the other end of pit lane, um, HRT um, nearly had one, one of Will Davison's wheels roll out in the fast lane. They were very lucky the mechanic just got it in time. Um, you know, there are clearly still uh, teething pains down there. Um, it's one of the things that I'm very conscious of, that the sport's got a whole bunch of new young mechanics in the last couple of years. We've seen a lot of, you know people not my age of course but people who were in their 30s and 40s who've been because it uh, does have a fairly high attrition and getting worse and young blokes coming in and they're not quite as uh, at this stage of the, the year um, sharp and, and alert and, and on the top of things and it's just interesting to see the little mistakes that do creep in mm. we need to take a break but there's plenty more to talk about the winton racing last weekend be back with more on the V8 Insiders. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 of the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. 
Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Brian Gunther from Big Pond Sport and Tony Whitlock from Race Facts. And, um, Brian, one of the things that was fascinating in the 200-kilometre race on Sunday, race five of, uh, race six of the championship, uh, I dare not say round whilst Tony's around, and uh, we will have um, some more interest coming from it because if there was a late pace car, a late safety car, sorry, it would have been David Reynolds winning the race for Marcus Marshall. Such was their tyre strategy on the day. And they, they were absolutely carving up through the field, both recording top 10 finishes. Yeah, that's right. And I, I think that's um, why the subscription tyre um, is really good. It's, uh, I guess because it's fresh. I, I don't know if we're going to see um, everyone sort of pull into line and, and use the same strategy on these tyres um, down the track as they get a hang of them and, and know exactly what they can do. But at the moment, you've seen so many different teams, and particularly those that really aren't front runners, that are going to, and, and already have, been adopting a, a totally out there strategy and in some cases it, it's paying off I mean you know had had everything swung a different way those strategies um, you know would have worked out really well uh, I mean Marcus Marshall um, he finished ninth so you know even he didn't even put in a bad um, result at the end of the day and he also got the lap record as well which sort of went a bit unnoticed so um, he actually beat old um, teammate Bridie's um, time which he set back in 2002 so you know that's a that's a really good effort as well um, obviously the, the new tyres are working for that team. Mm, interesting to see that Marcus Marshall with his new team Tony went the triple eight route Bridie went the Stone Brothers route and at the moment I think Marshall's Marshall is uh, having a slightly better run the uh, the two, I'd almost say former Brytech drivers, but Brytech does exist. Yeah, Brytech does exist. Um, interestingly as well also that there was a change of engineer down uh, Marcus Marshall's end of uh, pit lane for them. Um, the Triple Eight guy who was uh, doing it uh, not with the team anymore. And uh, an old friend of mine, Craig Hastig, our engines, is uh, down there giving him a hand and um, clearly, the Keith Evers has uh, moulded a team of uh, guys really well together, and that Marcus is um, is able to show far more of the uh, skills he developed over the years in many different categories. Um, and I, I couldn't be more pleased than to see him get a fastest lap. He uh, he may have chosen uh, an unconventional way to have got that lap, but I'll uh, be writing about that later in the week. <laughs> Guys, uh, we also on top of the um, on top of the introduction of the new soft compound tyre, we did see the short race fueling come into play. And uh, at the end of the meeting, a number of drivers were telling me that there is talk with the soft option tyre to see it not being available for 100 kilometre races in the future. Uh, perhaps it's a watch this space, but uh, I don't know if either of your mail had uh, come up with much on that. No, I remember vividly Garth at the end of the press conference saying that we should dump the standard tyre and just use the yellow yellow one option tyre at every round. But um, I don't think that'll be the case. And, you know, also raising the question of uh, using it in the endurance races, the yellow tyre, um, which, you know, I mean, it would add to the spectacle. I don't know if it's necessary, but... You know, another wild card in there. Brian, have you heard much about the possibility of the yellows only being available on Sunday? No, no, I haven't actually. Um, but it, to be honest, it wouldn't surprise me um, just purely because, as, as you mentioned before, you know, you can actually go the distance. Sure, the tyres do drop off, but you can actually go the distance on those um, 
soft option tyres. So, look, we may see a, a rule implemented down the track where you can only fit them for the 200km race. Mm. Now, Craig Lowndes taking two wins over the weekend in his first solo wins since, what was it, Sandown last year, which is almost 12 months ago. I think it was June last year Sandown was on. On and uh, Tony, it was good to see Craig Lowndes putting to arrest some of the talk about, uh, well, his possible demise as a leading driver in the series. Yeah, well, I was never a subscriber to that particular train of thought. I mean, it wasn't so much that Craig was off his game, it was just Jamie was on it. Um, <laughs> Jamie was fur- furious and fuming uh, post-race. Uh, I actually went to talk to him after he got out of his car in uh, Park Ferme and he just didn't want to know about it sort of thing. Um, uh, you know, he's a, Jamie is, uh, well, like a Tiger Woods or whoever, whenever, when somebody is playing particularly well. And Jamie is driving that well, and um, um, it's not so much, I think, that things have moved away from Craig, that he was clearly, you know, not... He wasn't the second banana at Triple uh, Eight, but, you know, when everything was going so well, Jamie was driving well, and therefore, the, you know, the bloke who's there second best in the, in the best car, um, bingo, he wins. Mm. Definitely the best car is uh, critical in the racing and the Triple Eight mousetrap as opposed to the FPR and the Stone Brothers mousetrap is slightly better. Now, Bri, your story on Monday or on Sunday night has really uh, cracked open the uh, calls by particularly the Holden fans saying, look at those buggers, they're cheating. Those pigs are illegal. Now, you spoke to Roland, and uh, it was quite an interesting piece you put together. Um, yeah, it sure was. The, uh, there were a few sort of um, rumours going around Winton um, on the whole Sunday, and um, so there were a few... Uh, there was a lot of confusion over what it actually involved, but it was basically about the... Uh, the mounting system that Triple um, Eight Racing, because it's not just the Team Vodafone cars, it, it's on all the Triple Eight engineering cars in the field, and also for the Fujitsu series. Um, it, the, rather than using a bolt to mount the uh, front splitter to the rest of the car, they um, actually have a mechanism, and it allows the uh, when you actually hit the uh, a curb and roll and use the example of Turn One at Adelaide, when you hit it really hard, instead of it shattering, this system actually allows it to. Uh, basically spring back up rather than um, breaking. So um, Roland said it's a, it's a cost-cutting measure. There's other teams who um, have said, well, I haven't actually spoken to any of the teams, but the assumption that I'm working on is that they're saying there's some sort of a, an aerodynamic advantage. It's, it's changing the, the makeup of the car when it actually races. So um, that I don't know about. But, um, but yeah, Roland was... Uh, was was pretty mad at some of the teams who are um, trying to, uh, I guess, you know, cut down the tall poppies and um, and uh, try and, I don't know, find any sort of excuse, I guess. To, mm. uh... Tony, my mail on this is saying that it's not actually uh, the Holden teams that have been pushing this barrow. It's uh, perhaps a bit of payback for Roland complaining about fuel tank positioning last season with a uh, oval team having uh, the interest there. Um, Roland creates friction, uh, well, I'll say anywhere in the globe he goes. Um, he, uh, he's a fierce competitor. He uh, wants to maintain his competitive edge that he spends you know, a lot of time and effort in putting together. Um, there's few people in either the British Touring Car Championship or certainly here that um, aren't uh, cautious and probably more cautious when they go up against Roland than most others. Um, 
you know, it's in the same way that, you know, there are certain people in Formula One that, you know, that just push the envelope and, and Roland does that. You know, that's the way he, he operates. Um, it's interesting that um, a number of what were key people in the early days of Triple Eight when they set up, and, you know, it, it, it should be sort of really emphasised that there's a large number of staff still at Triple Eight today who were there under Johnny Briggs. And um, uh, when John John ran that team, and, you know, with two and three cars uh, in the days of Max Wilson and Paul Radisich and Johnny Bow driving there, a number of key staff are still there. And um, it's not that uh, Roland uh, retrained them or anything like that, um, but with uh, the introduction of the Ludo Lacroix and then Campbell joining, um, that those people have been really uh, developed uh, developed up, like Mark Dutton and, and Jeremy Moore. Um, I, you know, where this goes, I mean, it, there's obviously various factions involved who are wanting to see it change, but what's going to happen, I don't know. But the more things change, the more they stay the same. And even though the splitters were bolted on on Sunday as per um, the complaints by the competitors, the Triple Eight mousetrap was still very, very quick. Yeah. It's a combination of things. There's no one thing like in any team. There's no one thing that makes those cars, those teams better than others. It's it's a whole bunch and a raft of them, and you can't pull them apart by changing one of those elements. Mm. Um, uh, you know, it was seen as Ludo was one of the keys. Well, he's been stay home for, for some time. Um, you know, the cars have become bulletproof over the years. Well, Steve Robertson's no longer the team manager at the tracks or workshop. Uh, he's now back at workshop all the time now. So, you know, Campbell leaving, I mean, it hasn't changed anything. The guys who were there grew under their tutelage. Mm. What's happened? Well, guys, uh, firstly to you, Briar. Has what we've seen with the tyres usage and with what they've learnt from being at the track this weekend, assuming there's no rule changes, and we have to get used to rule changes in V8 Supercars mid-season now, but uh, assuming there's no rule changes, do we think we've found a definitive strategy to win 100 and 200k races with soft option tyres? No, I think there's still a... Teams have a long way to go to uh, to work out exactly how to do that. Um and while, you know, you could have the definitive strategy, um, it also comes down to what happens on the day. So as you pointed out, you know, there could have been other drivers who won the race had there been a safety car late in the race on Sunday. So I think everyone's still learning um, and we should still see a, a lot of excitement um, for at least the, the next few rounds on the soft options. Tony, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, look, it was uh, quite obvious... Um that, uh, you know, Triple Eight were learning still, you know, at the start of the race uh, six when they, they put on their used yellows on Craig's car to start the race. Um, and, you know, the great thing was that the tyres were repeatable. It obviously uh, doesn't go away. It, 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 it uh, survives there. Um, the interesting thing was that um, they were learning an enormous amount even on Friday when they were running, shall we call, the pinks. That was, you know, the same as painted with a pink sidewall. Um, they were learning then, and, and on the Friday, Jamie was putting up some very fast sectors, but not putting together complete laps, so they didn't, weren't showing their hand. Um, I think that uh, it would be a shame if they limited it just the 200k race, because you know, sitting there in the press conference on Saturday, it was quite obvious that Craig and Jamie uh, didn't really know that you could run them on Sunday as well. Mm. And, and therefore, that they were sitting there saying, oh, no, I don't think we'll run Sunday. Well, in fact, as we know, that there were five or six cars that uh, didn't use the tyres on Saturday, 
and you know two of them um, climbed up into the ten. You know that being Reynolds and Marshall. Mm. Yeah, a fascinating weekend uh, for sure. Tony Whitlock from Race Facts, thanks for joining us for your first outing, and we look forward to having you back on the show in the future. Pleasure, mate. Thank you. Thanks, Briar. And Briar, of course, from Big Pond Sport. And, of course, VNX it will be in stores very soon. That's right. Latest edition is um, out soon. Look out for, what is it, Craig Lowndes on the cover. Yeah, absolutely. And we've got a new fluoro colour on it as well, so it stands out. It definitely does. We'll be back with the white flag lap right after this. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. Hi, it's Bugs here. Jason Bugwana from the Sprint Gas Racing Team, and you are listening to V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 of the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. On this week's White Flag Lap, my thought we'd check out with Garth Tander what he thought of the whole pig splitter issue. Um, I don't know too much about that, so um, I heard there's something going on, but um, you know, certainly haven't been, don't know the ins and outs of it. So um, you know, we'll just have to wait and see um, what the outcome of it is. But yeah, like I say, I don't really know too much about it, and um, there's other people more politically minded than I that'll take care of that. My thanks to GT there, along with Briar Gunther and Tony Whitlock as the checker flag waves over this edition of the V8 Insiders. Keep smiling, and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.